Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransombello. So today we're going to do a very quick study on the book of Job. And I'll be talking about the color of God. And what I mean color, I mean the perspective of who God really is. So from the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says that there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and shunned evil. Next verse. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. It's important to know that the book of Job is not, um, is not chronologically placed in the canons of scripture as it it really occurred in reality okay so the book of job actually backdates to the time of adam and eve so job lived way before um, moses and the rest of them so if you if you're counting your book of the bibles genesis exodus leviticus numbers and you go all the way just before Psalms, you get to Job, and you feel Job came on the scene uh, before, after all of those people. It's not so. The book of Job actually backdates to the early times. But the Bible says that in the early times, Job was very wealthy, had a great household. So this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. Next verse. And his sons would go and feast in their household or in their houses each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, now I want you to see what Job said. Because this teaching today is, is going to show you the misconception of Job and the misconception of his friends when it comes to who God really is. How Job interpreted God and how his friends interpreted God. So we're going to just go through the scripture from the first chapter of Job up until the last chapter, there are about 42 chapters. I may not be able to touch all the chapters, but we're just going to read the Bible together and I'll show you things from the book of Job. So many of us have read the book of Job before and it feels like the book of Job was about a man who suffered and then after suffering, God now honored or heard his cry and then gave him double for his trouble. But there is more to the story of Job than just the suffering of a single man and then the restoration of the same man. 
So see what Job says here. He says, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. That means he offered the sacrifices regularly because he felt that his children had sinned against God. But he himself was a righteous man. So, all right. So let's go to chapter 2 verse 7. Job chapter 2 verse 7. The new, the, the King James or the new King James version if you will. Job chapter 2 from verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And uh, I think we should stay in. Um, let's have a background story before this chapter 2 verse 7. Let's go back to chapter 1. And continue from where we stopped on the New King James Version. What verse did we stop? Okay. What verse was that? Seven? Okay. Now there was a day when, good, this is good. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. There's a lot of humor in the book of Job. That the sons of God would appear and Satan joined. If Satan is bold... To join the sons of God in appearing before God. Please, you are in the new covenant. Why not you? Why not you? <laughs> so God calls for all his sons and then Satan came. So uh, let's hear the interview. Uh, and then the Lord said to Satan, Wakajube, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth busybody and from walking back and forth on it satan is a busybody he looks at what doesn't concern him he touches what doesn't concern him he's just a busybody right then the lord said to satan have you considered my servant job that there is none like him on the earth a blameless and upright man somebody say upright man one who fears god and shuns evil so Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. Oh, this is powerful. And his possessions have increased in the land. So that means God isn't interested or God is in the business of blessing the works of your hands. I mean, if he did this in the book of Job or before the crucifixion of Christ, then does the crucifixion of Christ stop the blessing of God or the blessing of the people's work today because Jesus died? And then we say that he doesn't count because that's not what redemption is all about. I get your point, but God still blesses the works of people's hands. Say amen, somebody. All right, let's move to the next verse. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. In whose power? I want you to read it. It's not a trick question. I just want you to follow. It, <laughs> in whose power? All that he has, that's all his property, is in your power, Satan's power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Next verse. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. 
when the Sabians raided them and took them away. I want you to see how there is a natural explanation or a reason, even though it is disguised as a reason, but it is actually the work of the devil. When the devil is working in your life, he will give you something to explain it to be the reason why something is happening. Meanwhile, it is the devil. So you might be there trying to explain the circumstance or you might be there trying to explain this is what happened. I can tell you the story. There's no need to pray. Let's fix the situation. First of all, you have missed the point. So stop analyzing physical occurrences or happenings. Just go straight to the source because we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against what? Principalities and powers. So all of these things are natural experiences that happen in the life of Job that had explanations attached to them. So you better just put your explanations aside and deal with the devil. Talk to me somebody. Yeah. Indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking another also came and said the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants um, with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. This is the work of the devil. While he was still speaking, another, oh my God, man, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. So while you're blaming that the, for, the weather forecast told you about it, it was still the devil. And it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped. There's always an I alone. <laughs> says, I alone have escaped to tell you. Next verse. And Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Powerful. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse 7. Just enjoy the story and the movie. Just picture the movie. No, chapter 2, verse 7. Just picture the movie of Job in your head as I read to you the scriptures. Job chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. God. Let's go to verse 9. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. May God give you a good spouse. If you already have one, you have a good spouse. Verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now, Job, Job did not sin, but there is a problem with the way Job started to think. And I want you to see it. Go back to verse 10 again. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept what? 
So in the mind of Job, Job sees God as one who does good and the one who also brings adversity. Now, we're clear in the scripture that when Satan was walking out of the presence of God, what did God say to him? It was that he's in your power, right? And the scripture was clear to say that it was Satan who afflicted Job, not God. Not God. So in all of this, Job did not sin, but he had a wrong picture of, of God in his mind. So let's see Job chapter 4 from verse, from verse 1. So what happened is that after all of these things started to happen to Job, three of his very good friends came, Eliphaz, um, Bildad, and the third guy, Zophar. So they came and they started to console Job. Or in the beat to console Job, certain things came out of their mouth. And here is what we're going to, we're going to see what happened while they were speaking to Job. Job chapter 4 from verse 7 to 16. Let's use the living Bible. I prefer to use the living Bible for, for this. Now, so Eliphaz is now speaking to Job and he says, stop and think. Have you ever known a truly good and innocent person who was punished? This is one of his friends. Experience teaches that it is those who sow sin and trouble who harvest the same. Next verse. They die beneath the hand of God. Now, this is Eliphaz, the first friend of Job. He's telling Job that the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because you sinned. And it is because of what you've done, God is punishing you for what you've done. And that's what Eliphaz is saying to Job. Though they are fierce as young lions, they shall all be broken and destroyed. Like aged helpless lions, they shall starve and all their children shall be scattered. This truth was given me in secret. I think I remember I shared this with you some time ago. As though whispered in my ears, I heard the voice of the spirit. That voice you are hearing is familiar spirit. It's not the voice of God. He said, now, see the the painful part. He said, this truth, it's not a truth. This is an accusation here. He said, this truth was given to me in secret. As if he has the exclusive reserve of all the secrets of God. Then verse 13. It came in a nighttime vision. As other canal people were sleeping. (laughs) Next verse. Suddenly fear gripped me. I trembled. Shook with fear. And terror. Right? As a spirit passed before my face. Now it says as a spirit. (laughs) We don't know what that spirit is. As the spirit passed before my face, my hair stood up on end. Next verse. I felt the spirit's presence, but couldn't see it standing there. How would you see it? Then out of the dreadful silence came this voice. Now, now you see, Eliphaz was telling Job that the reason why your calamity has happened to you is because you sinned. And you and I just read the background story. That 
Job was just on his own and Satan was coming to, Satan tried to dare God and say, you know what, take all these things. And then, so the story doesn't tell us that Job actually sinned or Job did anything that was wrong. Are you here with me? So it is clear in the Bible that he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. Right, so now let us look at um, Job chapter 5 from verse 8 to 10. And we see the same Eliphaz is advising Job. He says, my advice to you is this. Go to God and confess your sins to him. This is wrong. For he does wonderful miracles, marvels without number. Now, do you see how he gives him, yes, <laughs> he gives him a stupid counsel and then he pads it with something that makes sense. For he does wonderful, that's God does wonderful, marvelous, I mean. And that's why I'm, some people who are here today who feel that God is punishing them for a sin they, commit, they committed in the past. Oh, pastor, I, ah, I know when this thing happened though. That day, I remember the day. If that day did not come, there's the way my life would have been. <laughs> my life would have been straight. No, God is not punishing you. God is not angry with me. We're going to put a big billboard one day in Abuja. We'll say, God is not angry with you. So that everyone can run to God and not run away from God. Because God is not angry with you. So there's absolute misconception here of Job. Job has a misconception of God. And his friends, there are three friends. The first one has a misconception of God that he sinned. But Job knows that he did not sin. So Job's misconception is not that he sinned and God is punishing him because he knows that he didn't sin. Job's misconception is that God will do anything both to those who did not sin and to those who sinned. That if you are a righteous man, God can just wake up one day and kill you and mess you up. Yes, we know it is very obvious that he does that to those who are not righteous or who have sinned. So he will pay them or punish them for their sins. That's obvious. But I have come to discover as Job right now that you can be righteous and God will just wake up in the morning and just think about destroying you. This was the misconception of Job. But the misconception of his friends was that they were insisting that Job had a secret sin that God was punishing them. And you all have read the background story. You know that's not what the case was. So let's move to the next verse. Verse 10. He sends the rain upon the earth to water the fields. Can you imagine this beautiful message padded with, I advise you, go confess your sins to God. That's, that's just very... So... You will also interpret the voice of God by your mindset about God and even call it a revelation. That's what... That's what, you know, Eliphaz did. He says, I had a revelation. My hair was standing. My spirit was passing by. Those people who say, I had a revelation. I saw so many people in hellfire. You know, why don't you see people in heaven to start with? Why don't you see good revelations? All your revelations are bad revelations. Bad, bad, wicked, wicked revelations. Wicked revelations. That's the only thing you can see. You can only see people in hellfire. With hair. 
like my friend Craig was saying the other day. So the hair made it through fire. That is Brazilian hair followed you through, through fire. What kind of revelation is this? People just wake up and say they had a revelation and they are telling you that they saw so-so and so man of God in it. You think Satan is win- winning the battle? If you read Revelations, it will tell you that in heaven, there was a calculation of how many people made it to heaven. It was thousands of thousands and without, it was with a number that you could not number. We are winning this battle. God is winning this battle. So, I want you to see also Job chapter 6 verse 4. I want you to see the confession of Job. I would say Job chapter 6 from verse 4. You can use the NLT, yes. Use the NLT version. Job chapter 6 verse 4. He says, for the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. This is what Job is saying now. Their poison infects my spirit. Now, when life beats you and you come to the conclusion that this is what God is doing to you, that is what the devil has done. He has painted a wrong picture about who God is to you. So Job is confessing that the Almighty has struck him down with arrows. Their poison infects his spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me, says Job. Job chapter 6 verse 14, Living Bible Translation. So Job speaks of accusing his friends. One should be kind. Do you have... (laughs) All right. Job says to his friends, one should be kind to a fainting friend, but you have accused me without the slightest fear of God. Then look at verse 25. Yes, it says, it is wonderful to speak the truth, but your criticisms are not based on fact. Job is telling his friends that you're criticizing me and you're blaming what is happening on a scene that you think I'm hiding. Are you going to condemn me just because I impulsively cried out in desperation? That would be like injuring a helpless orphan or selling a friend. Next verse. Look at me. Would I lie to your face? This is Job telling Eliphaz who was saying go and confess your sins to God. Stop assuming my guilt for I am righteous. Don't be so unjust. Don't I know the difference between right and wrong? Would I not admit if I, if I had sinned? So Job is telling his friends, stop, stop saying that this is because of a sin. This is not because of a sin. I know that I didn't sin, but he had his doubts about who God was. So let's see Job chapter 8. The second guy, which is Bildad, now begins to speak to Job. Job chapter 8 from verse 4 to 6. If your children sinned against him and he punished them, And you begged almighty God for them. If you were pure and good. He would hear your prayer. And answer you and bless you with a happy home. Then verse 6. If you were pure and good. He would hear your prayer. And answer you. And bless you with a happy home. This brings me to another conversation. That a lot of people feel that God doesn't hear their prayers. Because of something they have done. 
And this is the misconception of the second friend of Job called Bildad. That his prayers will not be heard if there was something wrong he's hiding. Please, if you're here listening to me today and you feel that if you pray, God doesn't hear your prayer, but he will hear the prayer of the pastor more, I want you to know that God hears your prayer. And when he talks, when the Bible talks about prayer, he says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, what? Avails much. And the scripture tells us who a righteous man is. The righteous man is the one who has believed and put his faith in Christ. The righteous man is not the one who does. For the Bible says that by the doing of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Romans chapter 3. So therefore, the just shall live by faith. It means that the just, the one who is called righteous, shall be called righteous by faith. So the righteous man is the one who has put faith in Christ. So if you are a righteous man, not based on your works, not based on what you have done, but based on your putting faith in Christ, then God will hear your prayer. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So if you pray, the potency of your prayer is as much as the potency of Jesus' prayer. You know what Jesus said to the disciples? A time is going to come where I would not need to talk to you or talk to my father about you, but you would talk to him for yourself, for it will not be necessary for me to talk to God for you. That's what God, or Jesus said to the disciples before he left. That you would not need for me to pray for you again. So God hears your prayer. So pastor, I just want somebody to pray because I know too many activities in my life. You know, I, I need to purify myself for God to hear my prayers. If you put faith in Christ, how many righteous people are in this house this morning? Excuse me. If you know that you are righteous, can you just wave your hands? Let me see. You're confident that you're righteous. So say with me, I'm righteous. What is the implication of that? It means that if you pray, God hears your prayer. Say amen, somebody. If you pray, God, what? He hears your prayer. Job chapter 9, verse 17. We see how Job replies, Bill, that this guy who's saying that God will not answer your prayer if there is sin in your life. Job chapter 9 verse 7 says, For he is the one who destroys and multiplies my wounds without a cause. This is Job talking about God. So stay in verse 21 before we move to 21. Job's perception about God is, For he is the one who destroys. That is, God is the one who destroys. And multiplies my wounds without a cause. Please tell me somebody, who did the destroying in the story of Job? Who did the destroying? Say it loud, everybody. Who did the destroying? It was Satan who did the destroying. Stop blaming God for what God didn't do. Please, stop blaming God. It is not God who brought the COVID. It's not God who brought the, the, the pandemic. It's not God who is trying to wipe the world away. God is not trying to wipe the world. God doesn't try to wipe the world away. He wipes the world. <laughs> if you go and check Noah, you will know how far. God trying to wipe the world, then he will be doing it systematically. When just one nose can sweep <laughs> the entire universe, just one nose. It's not God. 
God is not the reason for the earthquake. He's not the reason for the calamity. He's not the reason for your sickness. He's not the reason for your poverty. He's not the reason for your experience. That's not God. So stop blaming God for what happened to you. God, if you were there, where did my, what happened to my father? What happened to my mother? Where were you? Where, where, where? Where are we? Where? <laughs> stop blaming God. God is not the reason why anything that happened to you happened. But God is there for your deliverance. And I said this to some people while we're having a talk show, myself, Pastor Toluco. I said that the fact that God is a master in knowing how to turn your circumstances or your situation doesn't mean he brought them. You know, the person who fixes the problem, you might begin to suspect the person. Are you the one who actually caused this problem in the first place? No, stop blaming God because he's a master of fixing problems and think to mean that he brought the problem. He didn't bring the problem. He can't fix the problem. But he didn't bring the problem. So stop blaming God. And you know the smart thing about Satan? If you read the entire book of Job, you would never hear the name of Satan mentioned once. Apart from that beginning. Do you know what influence is? Influence is when you see activity without the activity that is causing the activity. That's what influence is, deception. So when Satan is coming at you, you would never, if you, if you are not spiritually smart, you would not say, this is the work of the devil. You will start to blame it to your, it's because I was late. Um, this happened. That guy ran into me. Um, this happened. See, Satan is the devil. Oh. The devil is the devil. Even if you don't have anybody to blame, just start, just start with Satan. Satan, I blame you. Where are you first? Just start there. Start there. Start there. It's smarter for you. Because we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. But look at what Job is saying. He's, he's accusing God. For he is the one who destroys God. You know, Job didn't read the book of Job. So he doesn't know the story of what happened, the conversation between Satan and God, that it was actually Satan who did it. So it's for, uh, how does it put it, the King James Version? The Lord give it. The Lord take it. Doesn't that thing sound very spiritual to you? The Lord give it. The Lord take it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is rubbish. <laughs> the Lord does not give and take. The Lord gives. The Lord doesn't take. He said, God is killing my children because I didn't obey the call. Ah, God, God doesn't kill children. God has not killed anybody. God doesn't kill. Go and read the book of James. He said, let no man say that I was tempted by God. Because God does not tempt anybody with evil. Your own father is using snake to test whether you have capacity in your immune system to withstand venom, your own dad, has your own dad done that to you before? No, answer me somebody. Has your own father, your own biological father, has he done that? He says, son, come. Let's show that you are strong. Then he brings snake and he says, put your leg here. If your own father will not do that, then why do you think God will use evil to test you? When the devil, oh, come on. When the devil comes to you, it is God who stood there 
and he fought your battle for you. So stop blaming God. That's it. It says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. He doesn't do that. That's not God. So go back to Job. So God is not the one who brought the calamity. Job got it wrong. Job, he got it wrong. Say, for he's the cause. He destroys. He multiplies my wounds without a cause. Then go to verse 21. And then see what he says to his friend. And even if I am utterly innocent, I dare not think of it. Or says, yeah, I despise what I am. Look at what Job has come down to think. Is there more? Next verse. Innocent or evil, it is all the same to God. For he destroys both kinds. May you not come to the conclusion just because you are angry with God. That God destroys both good people and bad people. May you not come to the conclusion just because you are angry with God. You know, I hear a lot of people say, I'm angry with God. You're angry with God. God is not angry with you. (laughs) If God is angry with you, you won't be alive to say, I'm angry with God. You're angry with God. (laughs) In your angry with God, he's patient with you until you get it. And you understand that he's the one you should run to when you are running away from him. So, he says he will laugh when calamity crushes the innocent. See what Job is saying about God. But this is not my Jesus. (laughs) Opala Jesus. (laughs) This is not my Jesus. Job chapter 10, verse 2. So I want you to see how Job questions God directly. He says, I will say to God, don't just condemn me. Tell me why you are doing this. Next verse. Does it really seem right to you to oppress and despise me? This is Job talking to God. A man you have made and to send joy and prosperity to the wicked? Are you unjust like men? Is your life so short that you must hound me for sins you know fully well I have not committed? So Job knew that he didn't commit a sin. But he's wondering, why would you just do this to me? So there is no problem with asking God questions. But there is a problem when your questions are wrong. And that's where a lot of us don't see it. So Job is asking a wrong question to God, saying to God, Why are you doing this to me? In the first place, it's not God who is doing it to him. Is it because you know no one can save me from your hand? Next verse. You have made me and yet you destroy me. Nah, Job, Job, Job. Mm. So let's see Job chapter 11 verse 13. You're going to hear from the third friend. This is the third friend now. Zophar. Zophar says, before you turn to God and stretch out your hands to him, get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Pastor Job. Next verse. All right, see verse 15. It says, only then without the spots of your sin to defile you, can you walk steadily forward to God without fear. So here is the conversation of Zophar, the third guy. He's saying that your ability to approach God 
is going to be based on your purity. Now, this is negating the principle of the New Testament where it says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may, what? Obtain mercy and find grace for help in a time of need. So, Zophar is here saying that you're not able to come boldly because there is some sin in your life. And this is the story of so many people today. To pray is a problem. The moment you kneel down and pray, you just, the thought of, I'm not worthy to do this. Who am I to talk to God? I need to go wash my hands first. You know what that is? That is you, it's like you washing your hands before you go take a shower. Just come and bath, right? Just come and have your bath. So, he's, you're trying to get certain things right already so that God can receive you. God has received you based on his son, not on you. So, your ability to come boldly to God is not based on the premise of what you do. Talk to me, somebody. So, I need you to understand that you can run to God anytime. Anytime. There is no time that is inconvenient for you to go to God. Even when you, are, when you feel you are guilty. The Bible says that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Still come to him anyways. If your heart is telling you, ah, you remember where you were last night. Come to God. Because he gives you grace. And he will refreshing you. He will bring you out of that mess. Don't run away from the one who should help you. Run to the one who should help you. Talk to me somebody. So the spirit of guilt. There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh. But walk after the spirit. If you read down. You see what walking after the spirit is. Even though that whole context. That whole phrase is not in the original um, uh, manuscript. Who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit. It's in italics. It's not there. The translators could not believe that there is just therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, full stop. They had to add who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you check in the original manuscript, that is not in the Bible. Yeah. But here is the point. When people should be running away from God or running to God, they are running away from God. That's the conversation of the third guy. So let's keep going. I'm going to wrap up very soon. So see verse, what chapter are we now? Chapter, chapter 8. What chapter is this? Chapter 11. All right, so let's see chapter 13. From verse 13 to 15. Job replies his friend, be silent now and leave me alone that I may speak. You know, sometimes you need to just tell the voice of accu accusation. Just shut up. Somebody say shut up. That's not everybody. Somebody say shut up. Don't, I didn't say look at your neighbor and say shut up. I just said say shut up. Amen. So somebody say shut up. I know some people, are, they must still look at their neighbor and say shut up. I know some people, some people in this church. <laughs> Be silent now and leave me alone that I may speak. 
Somebody, you, you see, you must learn to say shut up to your head and to yourself. When you are accusing yourself, the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. He says the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. You must be able to silence every voice of accusation. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold, casting down imagination, you know, and every high thing that exalts. No. Um, what's that scripture in Psalms chapter 54, verse 17? No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Then it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, For their righteousness is of me. Says the Lord. Check it. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, the New King James Version. <clears throat> then you come back to this one. It says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, that is any accusation. Somebody say, Any accusation. Which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And what? I'm not hearing you guys today. The me is it in small letter or capital letter? So who is the righteous? Who your righteousness is coming from? Who? This is the reason why no weapon formed against you will prosper. So when you quote the scripture, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You are thinking warfare as if you are the one fighting it. No, no weapon is formed. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper because. You are not righteous by yourself. Period. That's what this is saying. No weapon formed against you and every tongue. Listen, there, I, I'm, the time is going to come. I'll teach you on what fairy dart means. Fairy dart. This is the shield of faith against the fairy dart of the enemy. I'll tell you what fairy dart really means. It actually means the voice of accusation. That's why when you have problem. And there is condemnation around you because you have problem. Remove yourself from that atmosphere. Talk to me, somebody. Remove yourself from negativity and negative words because that's not what you need. You need the word of God and you need something that points you to who you are. That's what you need. You don't need... Now, the, the time frame of what Job had to go through was elongated as long as his friends were sounding accusation. So the time span of Job's calamity was equals to how much of condemnation Job sat down and he was listening to and he was answering them back. The moment he cut himself off the accusation, Job's calamity ended. So no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you condemn because your righteousness is of him. Put your hands on your chest and say, I am the righteousness of God. Come on, shout it loud. Say, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Move to the Job chapter 13. Move there. So, it says, be silent and leave me alone that I may speak. And I... I am willing to face the consequences. Next verse. 
Yes, I will take my life in my hand and say what I really think. All right, Job, let's hear what you really think. God may kill me for saying this. In fact, I expect him to. There's a problem. So Job had a misconception of who God is. God has suffered though. The color with which many people have painted God is not the true color God is though. The Bible says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came. You don't need to give what can come. Pastor Victor, give me the hand sanitizer there. So you see, he has given me the hand sanitizer. Pastor Victor, go back. Pastor Victor, come back. (laughs) You will see something today. (laughs) Go and put it back. Hand sanitizer, come to me now. Shanda balabalaba. Magadaya. Hand sanitizer, you better come right now. Oh, Lord. I need Runo to just, you know, maybe if Runo plays the piano, the, the anointing will increase. Or if he ties on, on the drum. Hand sanitizer, are you disrespecting my anointing? Come to me now. Pastor Victor, I beg, give me the... <laughs> Give me the hand sanitizer. So, the hand sanitizer has come. Ahead. No, let's do this thing well. Go back. Mm. Oh my God, yeah. Hand sanitizer. Come right now. Oh, come right now. Yeah. I said, come. Mm. Now it's time to it's time to groan since normal talk is not working. But let me switch tongues. I'm sanitized. Man of God. Let's hold up for a bit. Pastor Victor, I beg, give me hand sanitizer. So which one is easy? The law was given by Moses. But Runo, are you ready? Grace and truth was not just given, but it came. So, Pastor Chibuzo came to me. Hey! (laughs) Now, The hand sanitizer was given to me because it couldn't come. But grace and truth came to me. 
What does that mean? It means that I did not come to grace and truth. No. It wasn't you who walked your way to grace. Grace walked its way to you. Found you where you were. Picked you up. So, grace and truth is one man. One man. Jesus. So, it is not, there is a grace part and there is a truth part. No. Grace, which is the truth, is what the Bible is saying. And the truth, which is grace, is what came to me. So, we don't need the hands on it. We don't need law now. <laughs> you need hand sanitizer. <laughs> you don't need law now because something else has come to you. And that is Jesus. That is grace and truth. Thank you, guys. Uh, what verse are we now? 15. So let's see verse, verse 20 and verse 21. Oh God, this is Job saying to God, Oh God, there are two things I beg you not to do to me. Only then will I be able to face you. Alright, let's hear the two things. Number one, don't abandon me. Ha, ah, Job. How low have you thought of God that you feel, first of all, you thought God was the one who did what is happening to you to you. Secondly, you are now feeling that God can actually abandon you? Come on, Job. But you see, this is not just Job. This is so many of us. So many of us actually feel that God, there's the possibility that God, if you do anyhow, <laughs> you go see anyhow. Heaven helps those who help themselves. Rubbish. Rubbish. It is divine rubbish. Actually, my saying rubbish is the divine part. The rubbish cannot even be divine. My saying rubbish is divine. It is rubbish. Heaven does not help those who help themselves. Heaven helps those who can't help themselves. Job is saying, don't abandon me. And don't terrify me with your awesome presence. Job, the presence of God that is meant to be a delight to you, you are now afraid of the presence of God. You are thinking of God wrongly. Where God says, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. And that is written 365 times in the Bible. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's in the Bible 365 times. And some people infer that to mean that every day of the year. Every, part, every day of the year. It means God is with you. And see what Job is saying about God. He says, God, don't leave me. The Lord gives. The Lord takes. Blessed be the name of God. Who told you God took from you? God didn't take from you. God didn't take from you. He didn't take from you. Job chapter 15 verse 1. Hmm. The answer of Eliphaz the Temanite. You are supposed to be a wise man, yet you give us all this foolish talk. This elephant's talking to Job. 
You are nothing but a windbag. See, they insult you on top of your problem. The least you can do eh, for me is when I'm going through something, just say something nice and allow me to go through the problem so that when I've come out of it, I know I've come out of it. Not that you insult me on top of the problem. You even say I sinned. Someone comes to meet you for, for help and because the person is in problem and at that time, you are feeling good about yourself and then when the person leaves, you now mutter or make remarks that's all on them be. Look, if you don't understand where people are, just be quiet. And the best thing you can do for them is to pray for them. Because God help you. If you find yourself in the same situation, you may do worse. I'm not telling you the truth. So just be careful when you are interfacing with people who are going through stuff. Is there any more? Can we go to verse 3? It isn't right to speak so foolishly. What good do such words do? Let's move to chapter 16. We don't have time. Chapter 16 from verse 1 to 5. Job's reply. I have heard all this before. What miserable comforters all of you are. Won't you ever stop your flow of foolish words? What have I said that makes you speak so endlessly? But perhaps I'd sermonize the same as you. If you were I and I were you, I would spout off my criticisms against you and shake my head at you. But no, I would speak in such a way that it would help you. I would try to take away your grief. That's what Job is saying to his friends. That because I'm in problem and you guys are feeling cool about yourself. How, what kind of comforters are you? Let's see Job chapter 20 verse 3. Now this is what, this is what, hear what Zophar said to Job. You have tried to make me feel ashamed of myself for calling you a sinner. But my spirit won't let me stop. <laughs> Rubbish. Now, hear this. When people tell you, I was led to tell you that God is punishing you for what you've done, that leading, eh? lead that leading away from you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't be bamboozled by spirit. That is people who have a form of spirituality. And even when they talk, and not, someone is falling down, bah, you see all... Don't even be fooled by miracles. TSP, answer me now. Don't be fooled by what? By miracles. And then the miracles is padding poison. Is padding someone telling you that God is angry with you or there is the need for your performance to get God to a place where he can respond to you. God does not need your performance to do what he has done in Christ. He's not looking for your performance. Don't let anybody tell you that if you don't pray, you are not blessed. Who said so? You are blessed. That's why you pray. You're already blessed. You're not under a curse. Don't let people deceive you or tell you God is angry with you and make you feel like there is a class of spirituality I need to get to before God will like me. And when they talk, they talk so deep and make you who 
talks business from Monday to Friday, look as if you don't know what you are doing. You better stop all those things. Don't, don't listen to them. Even though it's padded with all kinds of spirituality, padded with all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders, those are, those are, those are rubbish. Rubbish. Let's move to Job chapter 42. Use the message version. We're going to start from verse 1. I'm rounding up now. Job chapter 42 from verse 1. I know many of you have seen something in the book of Job you've never seen before. Alright, so Job answered God. So God eventually, if you read the previous verse, God eventually spoke to Job and then Job heard God. So see what Job is saying. I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. You asked, who is this muddying the water? Ignorantly confusing the issue, second guessing my purposes. I admit it. I was the one. I babbled on about things far beyond me. Job had come to realization now. Made small talk about wonders way over my head. Next verse. You told me, listen, and let me do the talking. Let me ask the questions. You give the answers. Verse 5. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. That is what I thought about you was a rumor. I didn't know you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. Thank God Job realized. He says, I once lived by rumors. There are a lot of people who think they know God. And just because the blind is seen under your ministry or just because you have fasted for three days dry, if you don't know the gospel, you don't know God. If you don't know that your sins have been forgiven and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you don't know nothing about God. All you know is rumors, what people say. The indoctrination of your past teachers of my book of Bible story. That's what you know about God. See, I admit, I admit it. I want you to come to admission right now. If you have just heard rumors about God or you were captivated by some powerful and passionate talk about who God is and it is a wrong conversation of who God is, nah, that's not God. God is the one who loves you. He wants to give you even when you mess up. He will train you up by giving you more. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. You know Peter? Peter is a stubborn man. Peter. Sorry, not my Peter. I mean Peter in the Bible. Peter was a strong head in the Bible. Peter. <laughs> but let me tell you how Jesus broke Peter. Jesus broke Peter by giving him abundance. So launch into the deep. He launched into the deep. He caught a great catch. And what did Peter say? He broke down immediately. He said, depart from me. Immediately became teary. I'm a sinful man. Jesus never one day said, you, your strong head will lead you. You will hang, you, you will, you will see something. No, 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 no. He just said, catch fish. You want fish? Take fish. Story of the prodigal son. The boy wasted everything. The boy came back. How did the father get him back? Take more. Let me teach you how not to waste what you wasted. 
God doesn't take from you to teach you. Stop it. That's not God. God loves you too much that he's willing to give you. In fact, the Bible describes the patience and the, the, the long-suffering towards you of God. That it, it, it's beyond elastic band. The patience of God. It speaks about the forbearance of God. So Job says, I once admit that I lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. Next verse. I am sorry. Forgive me. I'll never do that again. I promise I'll never again live on crusts of hearsay. Crumbs of rumor. God restores Job. I will accept his prayer. After Job had finished addressing, after God had finished addressing Job, he turned to Eliphaz. Now, God now faced those his three friends. He says, he turned to Eliphaz the terminate and said, I've had it with you and your two friends. I'm fed up. This is God talking. You haven't been honest either with me or about me. Now, this were his friends telling him that what is happening to you is because of your sins. And God is saying that you are not honest. So if anybody is telling you that his God is angry with you because of your sins or you should run away from God more because you sinned, that person is not honest about God. In fact, he's painting a wrong picture. He's giving God a wrong color. So that's why the message of this, the title of this message is the color of God. What is the color of God? God is gracious to me. That's the color of God. He's good all the time. That's God. Always good. All the time. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. We'll close with that. It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never, I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. I will never. This is God saying it. Then look at verse 6. So we may boldly say, because of what God has said, you will now open your mouth and you will talk. So your confession is based on his confession. God said, I would never leave you nor forsake you. Then therefore you will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. I will not be afraid of what man can do to me. So please Wake up from that whole thought, that wrong picture of who God is. God is gracious to you. He loves you. He wants to be good to you all the time. And I'm speaking to somebody here. If there is any calamity in your life, don't listen to the voice of accusation. Stay on the side of grace. Stay on the side that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't let the devil make you feel that God doesn't love you. That's a temptation. Stay with knowing that he loves me all the time. God loves me all the time. You console yourself with these words. And you tell yourself he loves me all the time. Hallelujah. But can I just say something to all of you? I feel in my spirit that calamity is ending right now. Yeah, if there's a beginning for everything, there is always an end to it. So if problem upon problem upon problem, all the things you are talking about are problems. I'm here to let you know the end has come right now. The end of affliction has come right now. Hallelujah. The end of affliction has come right now. 
The end of your crying has come right now. The end of your weeping has come right now. The end of your sorrowing, the end of your complaining has come right now. Welcome to a new dawning. Hallelujah. Welcome to a new dawning. Welcome to a new horizon. Welcome to a new beauty of who God is. Welcome to a new aspect of knowing the grace of God. The end of your complaining saying, God, why did you do this? The wrong questions to God. No, just lift your voice and begin to praise God. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Regardless of what I'm facing. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Hallelujah. I can still say hallelujah even when I don't feel like saying hallelujah. I'm not going to be like Job who would say, you know, the, 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 the first part of Job who said, it is God who is doing what he's doing to me. No, I, he loves me. Paul said in all these things, we are more than conquerors. For what shall separate you from the love of God? Shall tribulations, shall persecutions, shall even famine, shall hunger, shall sword, Shall backbiters separate you from the love of God? He says, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Lift your hands up. Come on. Lift one hand up and just begin to thank God for his love and his mercy. Thank him for his love and his mercy towards you. Thank you for his love and his mercy towards you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.